You're listening to Grow and Tell with Estelle May. She's a no-nonsense, hard-hitting, tell-you-like-it-is kind of host. Because you know those overwhelming things we avoid in life? Turns out they're not so scary once you break them down. Whether it's effectively managing your career, being vulnerable in your relationships, or working on your financial literacy, she believes the best version of ourselves involves being brave and well-informed. Come join her and find the courage to land that job, pay off that debt, forgive that friend, and fall in love with yourself. If you're looking to laugh, learn, and grow together, you're in the right place. So put on your big girl pants and let's figure this out together. Here's your host, Estelle May. Hey, Grow and Tell fam, Estelle May here, and I'm super excited to bring on Julie, aka Investing Latina, on the show today to talk about retirement. Julie is the founder of Investing Latina, an online community for financially powerful women. She's a writer and producer, and you can find her on YouTube where she creates videos to educate women about personal finances, investing, and entrepreneurship. She hosts the Ask Me Money Things show on YouTube where she answers questions from her viewers on how to manage their money more efficiently. She's also a contributing editor at Next Advisor in partnership with Time, where she writes about personal money stories from the lens of an immigrant Latina. So let's jump on over to my conversation with Julie. Hi, Julie. Thank you so much for joining us today. I know that the last time I did a financial podcast that I had so many listeners reach out and say they wanted to learn more because this is really something that we're not taught in school and something that I think, you know, is really needed. So thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here and to talk about money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so first off, if you could let listeners notice a little bit about you and how you started your financial journey. Yeah. So I uh, was born in the Dominican Republic. I'm an immigrant here. I live in Yonkers, New York now. I've been in New York for like 25 plus years at this point. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a New Yorker, I would say. <laughs> but I'm also very proud of my Dominican roots. And, and it's something that I uh, hold near and dear. And it's the reason why when I started my financial sharing my financial story, I came up with the name Investing Latina. I came up with that name because I have been investing since I was 19 years old. And although that sounds really great and amazing, uh, what happened after that was that I went into a lot of consumer debt, uh, mm. just simply because I didn't really understand or, or the system itself and how to handle money. And I didn't really have goals. Mm. And I think that that was probably the reason why I kind of fell into debt and not having any kind of clear direction in, in what I wanted my money to do. So I grew up in New York. I studied fashion design and mm. business of fashion. So those those are my passions. And I still do uh, work related to that now, aside from what I do with Investing Latina. And I followed my passion and I study things that I love. And in general, I'm a very creative type of person. And that has really kind of guided my my decisions in life, you know, wanting to to be able to express myself and and do things that I enjoy and that bring bring me bring life into me in a sense. And w- some of the things that really brought a lot of life into me was shopping like crazy. <laughs> 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 and I I kind of went through this stage of being a shopaholic, and I went in a lo- I went into a lot of a lot of consumer debt because of it, because I love Chanel bags and Christian mm. Louboutin shoes. Mm. And uh, 
it was it was an experience and before i knew it i was thousands and thousands of dollars in debt and i felt suffocated by it mm. so that's kind of the turning point when i felt that suffocation Mm -hmm. financial suffocation because of all the debt that I had and not being able to do the math on how I was going to pay it back without paying thousands and thousands of dollars in interest. Mm -hmm. So I had to kind of get it together. Mm -hmm. And I decided to really just not do the things that I was doing. I knew that they were habits that I had built over the years that weren't uh, positive. They weren't doing me any good. So I really started changing my habits and that ultimately led to becoming debt free and getting rid of all of the debt and then focusing again, even though I had always been doing it all along, but, but bringing this new focus to my investing journey. I love that. I also love that you're a creative person because I think that a lot of the times people have this idea of what a money person you know, looks like, (laughs) sounds like. And what they do. Yeah, (laughs) and what they do. And I I think that a lot of the times, you know, people want to relate to people who are like relatable, you know what I mean? And, you know, when I wanted to learn more about investing or saving or the last place I personally wanted, and this could be totally different than someone else, but the last place I wanted to go to was like an investment banker, Or, Mm -hmm. you know, and so I searched online and I found a lot of, I wanted to relate to some women. I found some really cool women who were doing some awesome stuff. So I love, I love that your background is in like business and fashion. I think that's, that's really awesome. (laughs) Cool. So thank you. Yeah. So for today, I really wanted each episode to be focused on something. And I think something that is scary for a lot of folks is, you know, retirement because it seems so far away. It's not taught in school. So my next question is, for those who aren't familiar with really saving for the long term for retirement, what does that really mean and what exactly does that entail? Yeah, sure. When it comes to retirement, it really is about doing just a small thing and putting $50 or $100 a paycheck into an account over the years really does become a million dollars. So all of those things that you see online that say, oh, become a millionaire. Yes, it's possible. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It requires consistency. It doesn't require extreme discipline. Mm-hmm. You know, $100 really isn't much. But it because you start early, it can become that. It can become something really big and something really uh, amazing. And investing for retirement is super important because it's our way of making our money work for for us. We can save and just put it under the mattress or in a savings account, but it's not putting in, it's not lifting, it's not doing any heavy lifting. It's not doing any work there. So where it does do work is in the stock market. Mm-hmm. And that's really how uh, the plans are, retirement plans are were created really as pension plans for people that worked in railroads back in the day and you know they wanted to put this money away from for them because they knew that they couldn't continue to work in railroads forever mm-hmm. they couldn't continue to do that heavy lifting and all of that laborious work forever so putting that money aside from for for them was how the idea of pensions came about mm-hmm. and then it grew into like more popularity and not only people that worked hard 
jobs like that, laborious jobs like that, were able to also invest for retirement. And then the term 401k came about. Hmm. And uh, years later, the term IRA came about. So all of these accounts are really to serve that purpose for us to realize that we're not going to work forever. Mm-hmm. And who wants to anyway, right? Why would mm-hmm. you want to? <laughs> why, why would you want to die working for a company? You definitely want to be able to to have a live slower and have a nice retirement. And in order to do that, you have to be consistently putting in money aside. Mm. I think that, you know, something that kind of really confuses people, and I'll get into this, you know, a little bit later, is just I feel like retirement seems like it's so far away for people that Mm -hmm. if you're not taught to do it at a young age, I think that a lot of people kind of have this panic moment, at least people that I've talked to, you know, who are in their 40s, 50s, who say things like, man, I really wish that I started really early, but no one told me about it. Like back in the day, people really only started their 401k if you were working for a company versus now you can start this on your own. You don't have to be going through a company. Is that right? Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that just that knowledge uh, of not maybe hearing it from someone in your family, depending Mm -hmm. on what kind of work they did. So it really comes down to the types of jobs that people have had and the types of access that people have had. And we just don't hear it. And for for me specifically, I come from parents that have their own small business. Mm-hmm. They didn't ever work for a corporation, so they didn't really even know 401ks existed. Mm-hmm. And when they thought when they thought about retirement and how they save for retirement is really just saving, like I mentioned, into a savings account, mm-hmm. not even making the money work for them in a retirement account to to make use of it. So it's it's very different ways of of going about retirement saving. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing that we oftentimes do in the Latin community is focus on buying a home, right? Mm-hmm. So real estate for us is a is what we consider kind of the easy, easy way in a sense to save for retirement. You know, mm-hmm. if you purchase a home, you can just, that'll be it because your expenses, once the home is paid off, will be low. Mm-hmm. But what, what we fail to also realize is that that's not the only expense that mm-hmm. there is. It's mm-hmm. not just the roof over your head, but also what what if you want to do other things, right? Mm-hmm. You want to travel, you want to, you know, go to events with the grandkids, all of those things. So it's, it's about really thinking. I know that that panic kind of sets in mm-hmm. when you haven't done it. But what I do want to share with everyone is that it's never too late. Mm-hmm. I have people that follow me online and they... Someone told me this week, oh, I'm 43 and I'm starting today. Mm, and I'm that. like, congratulations. Mm-hmm. It's it's still amazing. You still have a good 25 years before official retirement age. Mm-hmm. And then who knows, you're probably going to live until 95. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so it's important to, to not really feel panicked mm-hmm. and just get started. I think so talking about, you know, her starting later in life, that was one of my questions was actually, you know, what age is typical for folks to retire? Because I feel like back in the day, everyone thought 62, 65. Is that still, you know, is that still a thing? Or is that just old fashioned? Or what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, our lifespan is increasing. Mm-hmm. And people are living longer because of our technological and medical advances. Mm-hmm. So every 
every couple of years, the official retirement age does shift and it Mm. goes up a tiny bit because people are living longer. So there's two, two different sides to this. There are people that retire at the official age. And now we also have a community of people that are working really hard and investing into the stock market very aggressively so that they can retire early. And this is where the financial independence retire early community comes from. And that's a whole different perspective. It's all about having a really, really high savings rate. And when you think about savings rate, it's just the percentage of the income that you make, how much is being saved and invested. Mm. So the age does go up technically, especially according to the Social Security Administration. But I think that also as our ideals shift and we more people move away from working in corporate environments, I think that's also going to come into play and people will be retiring later. You know, they're doing things that they're passionate about, that they love, that they technically can't ever get away from. (laughs) So uh, there's a lot of things that kind of come into play when it comes to the exact age that people retire. Uh, And it, it depends. It varies for everyone. That's why it's really important to kind of sit down with yourself and have, you know, a self reflective conversation uh, on what kind of things you value and Mm. where you envision your future. Do you want to work at your job forever? If that's the case, that's amazing. If you want to literally be the type of person that has a retirement party at the office, Mm -hmm. uh, because you, you have such a passion for it, for the work that you do and that setting, because mm-hmm. that's the thing also, that corporate setting is a specific lifestyle mm-hmm. that many people do enjoy, but also a lot of people don't necessarily like that nine to five lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I think that things are sort of shifting too. I mean, before COVID, but I, I do think that people who felt like that was their only option, yeah, it's a, this whole the last four or five months, I think, has shifted a lot of people to kind of start dreaming and imagining what life would be like if they weren't necessarily in a corporate environment. So I'm, I am, I'm a huge fan of the retire early party. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I am really glad that people are starting to hopefully have more conversations with this. Yeah. I love that you said that people are dreaming more. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, a very important part, as I mentioned earlier, like I'm a creative person, I love to kind of get lost in my thoughts and think about all kinds of things. It's really an important part of the process to really dream and envision what you would like to see. Mm-hmm. The next part is taking action mm-hmm. and not hesitating and getting started. So if you know that you want to retire early, you know, look at what that kind of looks like. Look at people that have done it before use them as examples so that you can put a plan together for yourself because mm-hmm. you know a dream isn't going to come together if you don't really put in the work. Mm. And I think the cool thing is and when I was younger maybe my early 20s it it seemed like building wealth through the stock market was such a scary thing that only certain people could do but I love that you know there's more and more people like you who are sharing information that it's really I mean, if you follow things and if you are disciplined about it, I mean, it's not just a certain type of person, a certain person who has makes a certain amount of money who can build wealth this way. It's really open. And I, I, I don't know. I really appreciate that, you know? 
Yeah. And, and I love, this is why I do this. I started investing Latina last year, really to just tell people, Hey, you know, I started investing at 19 Mm -hmm. and I didn't know what the hell I was doing, Yeah, but I did it. (laughs) And now I have this amazing portfolio Mm -hmm. that over the years just grew Yeah, and it grew because I remained consistent. I just continued to put money in there. And because the economy in the U S has also been putting in the work. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what it is. It's not just you. It's not just your own sacrifice and your own work, but it's the work of all of the Americans. Mm-hmm. And that's considering you're you're invested in domestic funds. If you're mm-hmm. going international, then that's even another layer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the world is working for you. Uh, and that's the beauty. That's the beauty of the stock market. That's the beauty of um, coming up with with an investment strategy. And I know we talked about retirement, but that's not the only way to do it. There are tons of people that invest on a regular basis just to have income, mm-hmm. regular income on a quarterly basis. And and that's a great strategy as well. Mm. Okay, so I really want to break this down so that it's super crystal clear for people who are listening, because, you know, just actually a few months ago at my work, we had someone come into the company, you know, I don't know who he represents, but the 401k that you can buy into. And after we walked out of that meeting, the amount of people who were really just, I mean, confused because they had never really, (laughs) you know, heard of it, thought about it. You know, their parents hadn't really spoken about it. Granted, I do work with a lot of, you know, younger folks in general, myself included, like 20s, Mm -hmm. 30s. But if you could break down, you know, a 401k, like a Roth IRA, like those kind of classic options and what they are. Sure. So the 401k and the reason why it's called the 401k is because when it comes to our economic system, it all revolves around the IRS you know, the taxes, Uncle Sam, (laughs) Hmm. he needs to know what's happening. He needs to know what's going into your pocket and what's going out of your pocket, really for the purpose of him to take his cut. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So it really all revolves around the IRS and the IRS, when it comes to retirement, that's the code that it lives under. So retirement account is under the code 401k. So that's where the name comes from. And the actual structure of the account is really designed so that the money that you put into your 401k through your work is tax deductible. And Uncle Sam decides, okay, if you're putting this money towards retirement, fine, I'm not going to take a piece of it right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what I'll take it later. That, I'll take it later. Mm-hmm. But what that does is that it allows you to put in these hundred dollars into the market and then that hundred dollars becomes 200 and then 300 and so on so forth it grows and when you retire when you start taking distributions which is just the term used for taking the money out you pay your tax liability which in theory is less when you retire than it is when you're in your working years So right now, for example, you're working, you're making $100,000, things are great, fabulous. Your tax rate right now is, let's say, 30%, just to have simple numbers. When you retire, you stop working, there's no more income through your corporation, and your only income is your, your retirement account, for example. And you're, so at that point, your tax rate is only going to be 10%. Hmm. So why pay taxes at 30% when you can pay taxes at 10%? 
And so that's how a 401k works. So the 401k, because I know that the Roth IRA, I know you're going to go into that, and there's like a cap in how much you can invest in a year. Is there a cap on a 401k in a year? Yes. Okay. The most that you can invest into a 401k is 19500 Okay. That's 2020 numbers. And they didn't change from last year's numbers. Usually, typically, they've been cha- they changed kind of every two years. Mm-hmm. And it's really to kind of make up for inflation as our money becomes worth less. So if you're listening to this in 2020, it's 19500 <laughs> If it's 2021 and you're listening to this, check irs.gov and see what the <laughs> max is. It might be 20000 Awesome. Okay, so that's 401k. And then, okay, I have a quick question, actually. So you you can invest through your company. And I wanted to be clear for people too. And the benefit of going through a company is that sometimes your company matches. And is there anything else besides that? Yes. Okay, that is actually the biggest plus that your company will give you a certain amount, it could be dollar for dollar in some cases, but it's also capped at a certain percent of your salary. So if you make $2 million, for example, Mm -hmm. they're not going to give you dollar for dollar of what your investments are, but Mm -hmm. it'll be up to 6% as an example. And that's really cool because some people like to call it free money. And Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm down for that term. I think it sounds good. But the other thing that I like to say is that it's actually part of your salary. Mm-hmm. So it's stuff that's kind of planned in and built into the prices that the human resources department puts on our heads, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like how much are you worth and how much do I have to pay? I'm going to have to pay insurance for you. I'm going to have to pay a 401k match for you. Well, this is then the dollar amount that I'm going to offer you. Mm-hmm. So it's really your money. Mm-hmm. So it's really crucial that if you are working for a corporation right now and they offer a 401k that you start asking questions, you know, do you match? Because not every single company matches, but mm-hmm. if they do, you got to sign up, you know, mm-hmm. not only because you're you're leaving money on the table, but because you should be investing for retirement anyway. Mm-hmm. And we can talk about why we have to kind of take on that responsibility when we talk a little bit about social security benefits. So yeah, that that's kind of the the plus to it, and the fact that you could do nineteen thousand five hundred. If you did it on your own, you would never have that that type of limit. Mm-hmm. I know that's something that came up in this company meeting that we had, and something that I wanted to mention on air, and maybe you can address to as well. Is that I think a lot of the times people the question that came up was, okay, what if I leave this company? You know, I think that every company, and correct me if I'm wrong, they have their own rules in terms of you have to be at a company for a certain amount of time. Just say you're there for five years, then you can take all of your match. But if you're there for two years, maybe you can only take 25% of your match. Is that what you see kind of across the board? Yeah, absolutely. So it's a way for companies to try to retain their talent Mm -hmm. and, you know, have people stay longer, essentially. So they'll they'll negotiate, you know, it's just like anything they negotiate. You negotiate your salary. They also tell you in order for you to get the match, because this is money that I'm paying you, you have to be here a certain amount of time. And that's definitely a very important thing to know upfront, because you might be getting statements saying, okay, you have this much in your account. And then you decide, oh, I'm going to take on another opportunity or I'm going to leave this this mm. company. 
And then all of a sudden it drops and it's because you you didn't meet the requirement to be at the company long enough to get the match 100%. I don't know if I've ever thought about this or talked to anyone, but can you, is that negotiable? Is it negotiable? I feel like, you know, standard, it's across the board for a whole company mm. to make their lives easier. Yeah. But when it comes to negotiating, everything is negotiable. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so as long as you get it written in, in your contract, I mm -hmm. think it, it it's up for grabs. Typically, they just don't like to complicate HR mm -hmm. things. And, and so they would probably rather tell you, you know what? I see what you're asking. I know I understand that you want more money, but mm -hmm. also I'd rather give it to you in the front salary end mm -hmm. than deal with complicated mm -hmm. 401k benefits things. It would be it would just be something I've never really thought about, but it'd be kind of cool to negotiate, you know, saying they waive the three month whatever buffer before you're allowed to start investing in their 401k. I think that's kind of a something that I don't really usually think about when negotiating, but Okay, sorry. So exciting. So many questions for you. Okay, so the Roth IRA. Yeah, so let's go into IRAs. Okay. So we talked about 401ks and 401k is the IRS code for corporations. Uh, I'll quickly mention that corporations are 401k designated and nonprofit organizations are 403b designated. So, mm -hmm. so it's a different code for a different type of company. So let's say that you don't work for a company at all and you work for yourself and you're a creative and you own your own marketing agency or something. What do you do? And the solution to that is in an in individual retirement account. So that's where IRA comes from. And mm -hmm. we've seen that, you know, people talk about the importance of an IRA. And the reason why it, it's given that name is because it's really designed for people that don't have access to to company retirement accounts. And so that came about many years after 401k was established. And so it allows you to invest now 2020 numbers up to $6,000. So obviously very different from the 19,500. Mm -hmm. But it works in the same exact way. It's the same conversation that you're having with Uncle Sam at the end of the year. And he's like, okay, so how much money you make this year? I want my cut. Mm -hmm. And you're like, wait, 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 but I'm putting 6,000 into an IRA. Mm -hmm. He's like, okay, fine. I won't, I won't collect taxes on those $6,000. Mm -hmm. And that's really the benefits of it, right? Not being able to reduce your tax liability. Mm -hmm. So it's not as much as a 401k, unfortunately, it's kind of where, you know, it is what it, that's where the rules are. Mm -hmm. But you still have that ability to do that. And what's great about that is that if you are working for a corporation, you could also layer that on and open it up on your own on the side. So mm. you can have both. You can have a 401k and an IRA. And it just means that you're super serious about retirement. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you probably want to retire early. <laughs> and now mm -hmm. the third little layer is the Roth IRA. So the Roth IRA came out, was kind of, was created probably at this point almost 30 years ago like 35 years ago. And it was designed to be able to still that same concept of investing for retirement, but it actually allowed you to pay your taxes today and never have to worry about paying taxes ever again, which is really cool because let's say, remember the scenario that I gave earlier, 
you're working for a corporation now, you're making $100,000, and then you retire and you're making zero because you left the job. Well, you could be in a completely different financial situation and you can be making $100,000 now, decide to open up your your own business and then end up making $500,000 when mm-hmm. you're 65 years old. So that changes how you think about your money and mm-hmm. how you're investing it and the types of accounts that you that you want to use. So if you have that sort of idea and strategy, it's really beneficial to pay the 30% today mm-hmm. on your $100,000 salary so that you don't have to pay 45, 46% when mm-hmm. you're making, you know, loads of money at 65. Mm. So that's why the two strategies exist and why it's really difficult when someone says, oh, should I open up a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, what are you going to do with your life? You Mm -hmm. tell me. Yeah. You're the one that has to really decide and figure out, okay, based on what the rules are, what would work best for my situation? I love that. Is that a train? (laughs) Yeah. Did you hear? Yeah. (laughs) I love that. Awesome. Well, I'm really glad because that I think clarifies you know, the differences, because I think that can be sometimes overwhelming. But I love, you know, the different analogies that you've used, and especially like Uncle Sam. I love the way that you say it, like he's going to come now or he's going to come later. And, you know, it might seem like fun and silly, but I just think it's so much easier to imagine someone coming into my pocket and taking out this cash versus this money just disappearing like 30%. Like, where does it go? (laughs) Right, right. Awesome. So I know in the beginning when we first started chatting, you kind of mentioned, you know, in your community specifically that people looked at homes in terms of retirement. And Mm -hmm. so one of my questions that I had was, you know, do you consider purchasing a home as a good way to save for retirement? Or do you feel like the stock market is a better way to do that? Wow, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. Which way is better? Mm-hmm. Hmm. So it's not necessarily, you know what, let me start with the actual numbers. Okay. When it comes to the stock market, the average return in the stock market based on historical data from, you know, the last century is 7% return. Mm-hmm. So that's what you can essentially be safe in imagining you will make off of the money that you put into the stock market. Some years it'll be 25% mm-hmm. like it was in 2017. Mm-hmm. Everybody was super excited and, and things were great. Or it could be negative like it was in 2008, you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as we're going through this period right now, potential recession. Well, we are in a recession. We don't know how long this is going to last. This may or may not end up being a negative year, but all of that aside, the history shows that all of America is working Mm -hmm. in corporations and every single day people are working to improve our economy. Mm -hmm. So the average is 7%. Now, -hmm. when we think about investments into real estate, averages on investments into real estate are higher. So you can make 10%, you can make 12%, on investment property. But make sure that you understand that those are investment properties that you are actually making money from. Mm -hmm. When you purchase a home for yourself and your family, and it's a single family and you're all the the ones living there, that's not considered an investment property. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a it's a personal use property. So what does that mean? That you're you're not gonna probably make that 10 12% that you would make if it was an investment property. However, you will be 
you will build equity into that home. Mm -hmm. So as you pay down the mortgage on that, your value rises, your net worth rises, and hopefully um, the value of the property rises. So it's going to end up being something that you could in the future, in retirement, sell mm -hmm. off, and then take the money and, and run with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> However, it's 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 very different because you have to think, is it some is it a lifestyle that I want? Mm -hmm. Do I want to buy a home? Do I want to take care of the maintenance of a home mm -hmm. and deal with those things? So it's it has a lot to do with lifestyle. And even now people we're going through a trend where people don't really want to buy homes mm -hmm. for themselves because they want to be travel they want to travel they want to be digital nomads they want to have flexibility and that's kind of been the trend that we've been on for the past kind of couple of years mm -hmm. but what people have been doing is definitely investing for into properties that they can rent mm -hmm. because not everyone is a digital nomad there are millions of people that love security and you know uh, to have a home that they can go to every single night without having to to think about, okay, where am I going next week or anything like that? Or mm -hmm. next year when I have to renew my lease on my rental, what's going to happen? Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's, it, it's, it's a way to do it, but it's not, there's not necessarily a better, mm -hmm. worse or better way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That, I guess that was a, I shouldn't have phrased it that way. You know? <laughs> but I, I, t I'm a huge real estate. I just love real estate, but I love that lifestyle of, you know, I've done a lot of Airbnbs or, we just rented out our house in Charleston and are buying a place up in DC. I mm -hmm. love just creating rental properties. I think that's a really fun mm -hmm. way. My husband is more of the stock market kind of guy and he hates having to be a landlord or deal with that. Right. Um, so you're totally right about lifestyle because it's the stock market is nice because it's sort of you set it and let it work for you. Real estate's a little bit more mm -hmm. involved, I guess, unless you have a, a property manager. But I think... Um, I love that everything that. But you But even see, then, you, you have to manage people. Oh, you for know? sure. So it's still, <laughs> it's still you gotta you gotta be able to roll your sleeves up when it comes to investing into real estate mm -hmm. versus the stock market. You don't even interact with people at all. Yeah. <laughs> you just go online. Mm -hmm. You make purchases, and and you're good to go. And I, I, I also love that you said earlier, you know, you were saying people say, oh, should I do a Roth or should I do what, you know, and you're like, I don't know, you tell me. Like, I love that you, it seems like your strategy is to give people the information and so that they're mm -hmm. equipped to make, you know, the decisions that they want for the kind of life that they want, you know, because yes. I don't think that finance is necessarily black or white. It's really what's more important to you, money now, money later, freedom, right. security, and so that's a, uh, I'm just saying that I appreciate your, um, your angle, the way that you talk about that. Yeah, I think that it's, for me, it's really, like you said, sharing that knowledge and making sure that people know, you mm -hmm. know, that people are aware of what their options are. And to also understand that we have more options today than ever before. Mm -hmm. So take advantage of those things. You know, uh, there are a lot of new entry points that didn't exist before when it comes to the stock market. So taking advantage of what that means and what they are, while also being very conscious of how much it costs you to mm -hmm. get into that market is, is just all things that I want to share on my platform. I love that. My passion is just finding more people like you and sharing 
I'm totally the same way. I just want people to have good information about health, about money, about relationships, about, you know, just say, want people to have access to this. Okay, so the next question that I had was, I'm just more interested because you do get to talk to a lot of people about finances. What Mm -hmm. issues, you know, or maybe roadblocks, you know, do you see people have when it comes to planning for retirement? I think that the biggest roadblock is before they even get started. It's a lot of fear Mm. of the unknown, of not understanding what it is and just not having a normal person in their life even mention that they also invest in their 401k. And this is something that at this point is pretty common. Mm. The problem is that we haven't built the bridge to talk about it in our everyday lives. Mm -hmm. So it's really always, oh, I want to do it, but I don't know how to get started. And oh, my company actually doesn't give me a match. So should I even invest? And I'm like, yes, of course you should. It's still your opportunity to pay less in taxes today. Mm -hmm. So I think fear is probably most people's biggest roadblock. And not only with retirement investing, but with a lot of money decisions, even when it comes to opening a high yield savings account, which is designed to offer you more interest rate than your standard bank's uh, savings account. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think that that fear is a big part of it. Mm -hmm. And fear comes from the unknown. Mm -hmm. That's why it's super important that you have this platform and that you're talking about these things so that people can can really get a little bit more acquainted, you know, with Mm -hmm. with how what's available and, and how you can start. So I always love to say, you have to start, you have to not be afraid, and you have to learn learn along the way. Mm-hmm. I know. I think a lot of the times we're sort of frozen, you know what I mean, by just making the decision in a lot of things in life that are scary, but uh, progress is better yeah. than perfection. Yeah. And you can always shift. You can, you know, make changes. Mm-hmm. You can start off small and then build your way up. You know, I started with $50 a month. Mm-hmm. And now I'm investing 500 a month. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, that takes time. It just takes you taking that first step and then really becoming comfortable and learning along the way. Mm. I love that. So I'm not really sure if I worded this next question right, but I was, there's just, I kind of wanted to see what's shifted. But I wrote mm-hmm. down, you know, how have things changed in terms of retirement from our parents' generation to ours? You know, are are things actually changing or do you feel like it's actually still pretty much the same? Well, I think that I'm a millennial Mm -hmm. and my parents are Gen X Mm -hmm. and they definitely grew up in a time when there was a lot going on. I mean, we're from we we've been in New York for a long time and and there was a lot of crime and a lot of economic uh, situations and we always you know we kind of always go through them but there is there was always like this sense of fear of being very cautious and being very less less risky in a sense so i think that now for our generation we're a little bit fearless mm-hmm. or less fearful mm-hmm. than our parents were and that's not to say that we're that we still don't have doubts and we're still not nervous about certain things but I think that we definitely take more risk. Right. And it's really because of what they offered us, you know, they they were very safe and, and 
because of that, we kind of are like, oh, you know, let's take risks and let's do fun things mm-hmm. and forget working for a corporation, <laughs> you know. So it, it's interesting how that that's a shift that happens. Mm-hmm. But I think in essence, there is still consistency. You want to be able to work and you want to be able to retire. You want to be able to have a family. Like all of these human things are still consistent. Family still, for many people, is just the most important thing. It's number one. And even though families are much smaller now than they used to be. Mm -hmm. For example, my mom is one of 11. Oh my gosh! (laughs) I know, crazy. (laughs) Now people think many more times before having kids, unless they're like multi-millionaires or Mm -hmm. billionaires. But, you know, uh, people, their birth rates are decreasing. Mm -hmm. So that's a big difference. But that's essentially kind of what the shifts are. There are certain things that are different, but a lot of it is the same. So the one of the last questions that I had was, you know, Social Security. I feel like there's so many kind of rumors, not maybe not rumors, but things that I've heard growing up, you know, that the older generation is saying that it's going away or eventually there's not going to be Social Security. Can you clear that up for me? Yeah, sure. So this... Social Security Administration created this fund many years ago. So there's a trust fund for Social Security benefits. Mm-hmm. And at the end of 2019, there's, there is, or there was, at the end of 2019, $2.5 trillion into that fund. Wow. Uh, that's used to support the elderly mm-hmm. once they're in retirement. And uh, what that kind of means on a person-to-person level is that on average people receive $1,500 from uh, social security on a monthly basis and depending where you are where you live and where you're listening from maybe that seems like it could cover most expenses Mm -hmm. or it could seem like it won't even cover your mortgage but that being said the fund itself is diminishing And every year they publish a report to really give an estimate on when that fund is going to be at zero. And right now the estimate is 2035, which is really just 15 years away. Mm -hmm. You and I won't even be in retirement yet (laughs) when this fund is like at zero. So what does that mean? Well, it essentially means that the system, the way that it's set up right now isn't really working. And because of that, it's even more so important for us as individuals to take on that responsibility of setting money aside for retirement. Because we can think, oh, yeah, sure, we'll get Social Security. But what if that is $5? Mm -hmm. (laughs) What are we going to do then? So uh, in 2035, since the fund will be is expected to be at zero, it's projected that there will only people will only get paid 79% of what the, that average $1,500 was. Mm. So if you were supposed to be entitled for $1,500, you're only going to get $1,187. Oh so now think about that. If $1,500 sounded decent, how does $1,100 sound? Well, and also $1,100, like how many years from now too? What is that worth? Exactly. Inflation, right? Mm -hmm. We can't forget about that. So that's what it means when people say, oh, Social Security won't exist by the Mm -hmm. time I'm in retirement. And not that it's going to go away completely. It's just that there will be no trust fund Mm -hmm. that has this like extra money in a sense to support the full need. 
so yeah, that that's what it is. And it's going to mean that on a yearly basis, the people that are working will take on that full responsibility of, of paying out the people that need it in that same year. So from a legislative, le- legislative perspective, that's mm-hmm. really going to kind of cause some sort of change. Julie, you've seriously answered so many questions for me. I, this is all, it's so interesting. And I just love the way, I just think you're so relatable. And I'm really hoping that listeners, when they hear this, it's, it's something that they can, you know, they can get off, you know, out of the car or the gym or wherever they are listening to this episode and just feel a lot more confident in knowing this information and be like, you know what, I'm going to sign up for a Roth IRA today, or I'm going to ask my company about, you know, matching because I feel like in conversations, like smaller conversations like this, you know, you're really opening up really to change people's lives. And I, I just really appreciate you taking the time. Yes, absolutely. That's my goal. My goal is to have people feel like they understand the system mm-hmm. so that they can make the best choices for themselves based on how they envision their life to be like. I love that. So, okay, if someone's listening and they want to find you and they want to follow you, where is the best place for them to go? So I make tons of YouTube videos regarding personal finance and investing. So that's kind of my home base. I Mm -hmm. actually just am wrapping up 31 days of vlogging. And every single day I answered a different money question. Mm. So it could be about paying off debt. It could be about retirement investing. It could be about real estate. So I answered a different question every single credit, which is one of my favorite topics as well. Mm -hmm. So I answered a different question and the show is called Ask Me Money Things. Mm. And it's right on youtube.com slash investing Latina. I love it so much. Again, Julie, thank you so much for taking the time. It's been so fun to chat with you and hear the New York noises in the background. Yeah. <laughs> of course. But, but seriously, on a personal level, like I really enjoyed learning more. Hi, friend. Thank you so much for sharing your time with me today. Did you find value in this episode? I would really appreciate it if you would rank and review it on Apple Podcasts as it helps so much with ranking and visibility. And do you know someone who needs to listen to this episode? Simply click on the episode on whatever app you're on and click the share button and text, email, or share it on social media with them. Wherever you are in the world right now, I'm sending you all of my love and hope that you're happy, healthy, and well. Much love, Estelle May.